All right then, if uh, Aisha, if you could lead us in the Fatiha. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yawmiddin. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Ghayr makhdubi alayhim Those are the signs of, man, of the manifest book. We have sent it down as an Arabic Quran in order that you may learn wisdom. Then there came a caravan of travelers. They sent their water carrier for water and he let down his bucket into the well. He said, ah, there, good news. Here is a fine young man. So they concealed him as a treasure, but Allah knows well all that they do. Then they sold him for a paltry price, a handful of counted dirhams, for they set small store by him. Okay, thank you. And Salah, if you could recite the, those verses. <laughs> تلك آيات الكتاب المبين إنا أنزلناه قرآنا عربيا لعلكم تعقلون وجاءت سيارة فأرسلوا واردهم فأدلى دلوه قال يا بشرى هذا غلام وأسروه بضاعة وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ وَشَرَوْهُ بِثَمَنٍ بَخْسٍ دَرَاهِمَ مَعْدُودَةٍ دَرَاهِمَ مَعْدُودَةٍ وَكَانُوا فِيهِ مِنَ الزَّاهِدِينَ Good, thank you. So, so this chapter is... Uh, is when Ibn Arabi dives into the place where the Surah Ta Yusuf was uh, revealed. And so as you can imagine there, the, maybe the two themes or the two places that he visits here are dreams and love. So dreams uh, and then Zulaikha and also that in the well he's... So... So we'll look at we'll look at that, but we won't oh, try to look. Uh, we won't try to look at the the dreams that would take us way too uh, deep into this. We could perhaps go deeply only into one subject, and that will be love, and uh, and that may be a, a break from last week, which I'm finding is so dense, <laughs> and rather than and this one came a lot lighter. So let's hope that uh, if we focus just on that one, Zulaikha, Yusuf, Joseph, and love. Let's see how that works. Okay. 
And we have Klaus again for our poems. <laughs> who draws a mark and obtains a side of existence in his creative process and another side in his created nature, that one is an entity of time in his time. And his full moon rising to view in his horizon. And his full moon rises from his west and his illumination he recognizes in his east. So each side of created being is wandering about in passion and all of us perish in his truth. So this one, uh, the first line there, who draws a mark and obtains a side of existence. That's, uh, that's from a few words, but the main word is haza. And so draws a mark and obtains or possesses. And haza is such an important word. Uh, that's why I'll bring it out in this, in this chapter in a lot of different forms in English. It's such an important word that it's one of those uh, of the 155 questions of Al-Tirmidhi that Ibn Arabi looks at. And haza is uh, a crucial word. And so, but in Arabic, it's just the one word. So we have to see what the imagery is behind that word. And so I look at all the places in the Futuhat that Ibn Arabi uses this word to gather what that imagery might be. So you'll be seeing this as we go through. And beauty, so related in the authentic report is that he said, God is Jamil, beautiful, loving the Jamal, abundant beauty. So this is not just aesthetic beauty, it's also this abundance uh, of this notion of abundance, this idea of, of abundance. And he is the maker of the cosmos and he brought him into being flush against his image. So the cosmos, all of him is of the utmost beauty, nothing in him of ugliness. Thus there is not in all possible worlds any more beautiful or more wondrously good than this one. And when he brings into being whatever he brings into being, one after another, Aleph, Ba, one after the other, until no end point, then each one will be the likeness of what he just brought into being. Because divine, beautiful goodness and beauty has drawn a mark and taken possession of it and has manifested in it. So that's drawing a mark and taking possession of it. It is just as he said, he provided each thing its character creation, and that is its beauty. You see, if anything were less than beautiful, it would descend from the step of completeness in its created character, and it would be ugly. Then he guided it. That is, he clarified all this for us. So the clarification is Alif Lam Ra. This is the clarified book. So the clarified book is that all of the letters are beautiful. And if any of these any of these letters, you and me, and any of these letters were less than beautiful, we would be less than complete, and then we would be ugly. We are not ugly, we are complete, therefore it is beautiful. And this is a chapter with a lot of poems, so it's just right for us to have a lot of poems this week. When we saw the true in an image of the human, 
We knew that the intellect was in great peril concerning this. And whoever shackles the clear and clarified true with his binding intellect and does not realize the bindings, he has no information. When the brilliant radiance shone to me flush against the projection of my image, i.e. an image like me, I myself radiate and brilliantly in transcendence far above the rest of the images. So then he said, what is this? I said, you, you reminded me with Digger that you wipe clean a frequent oppressor when he clears himself. And you are not like me. Say, why did you mark and possess my image? My vision is only you, just as we see the moon. If you are like me, then the resemblance is a force ruling over every likeness, like the one who involves the entire view. Each semblance to its semblance shares its shape and way with every state in the old and in the new human. God made law prostration to cure any errors in the prayer because of our absent-mindedness, to rub Satan's nose in the dust and as a bone setting for what had been broken. What is with you, you human? You did not prostrate while you are our Imam. And yet you are a well-suited to prostration, just as was said. We humans came to you striding and you doubled the pace, running. Where is the step of the foot compared to the step of the sight? So you are our Imam. So Ibn Arabi has told us many times that sometimes uh, Allah comes first and we come second, and sometimes it's the other way around. So when Allah says, call on me and I will respond to you, that means we call first and we are the Imam, and then Allah follows with the response. And so this, and then he's moving into this imagery of the prayer of forgetfulness or absent-mindedness that we do after the prayer in case there was something missing. And this one restores what had been broken. And so the Imam then will make this prayer for us, even though the Imam did not forget or was not absent-minded and does it for us. So Allah says, I am your Imam and I'm doing this, so you come after me and do that. And so it works in both ways. Since my heart began loving you, every cell is longing for you. Since my mind began loving you, every thought is longing for you. Oh, lover, never, never. 
Well, now I remember, or now I know why this Elahi is here, because Zuleikha, uh, Ibn Arabi talks about halaj and Zuleikha, that halaj, uh, when you are in love, the way halaj and Zuleikha are in love, then your every cell becomes part, becomes loving. And he uses the word halil as friend, and halil also halala means to intersperse and to be permeated into all of you. So therefore, when halaj, when his blood hit the ground, it was saying Allah, Allah, because in every cell of his being, his beloved was there. And when Zuleika's blood hits the ground, it says Yusuf, Yusuf, Joseph, Joseph, because every cell of her had been permeated with the one she loves. So when with this kind of love, there's not just love in one part or the other part, it's throughout the entire being of the person, of the, of the lover. And so even to, if you take a part of it, you'll see the whole. And if you take the whole, you'll see the part. And so that's Zuleika and Halaj's experience. So this, uh, that Allah's beauty and loves the beautiful. So the universe then, all of him is his abundant beauty in the Zat and his beautiful goodness in the entity of his self. So the Zat and the entity, the Ein. You see, he made himself his designer, the designer of this cosmos. This is why the mystics wander around the world bewildered, impassioned. This is why we speak about the world in some of our expressions for the world as that one who is the mirror of the true. The Arafin in the world see only the image of the true. We were created only to worship him and to be his slaves and for us to recognize him. And so we will not focus with any of these except to observe the world. This because of his deeming the world to be exactly the signs and indications of him, pointing to knowledge of him, both by eyewitnessing and by thinking intelligently. So the first sigh that creates the mist is the, I want to be recognized. So I want to be recognized, the sigh, and then into this mist become all of the entities, starting with the light of Muhammad Sallallahu and all of and perfect humanity, so that I can be recognized, I can be seen. So then if we look, it is only to him. And if we hear, it is only of him. And if we understand, 
it is only about him. And if we think it is only about him, and if we know it is only him, and if we have faith, it is faith in him. He is the one radiating brilliantly in every face. And he is what is intended by every pointing sign. And he is what is eyed by every eye and the one worshiped in every site of worship. So that means in idols and anywhere else there's a site of worship, he is the one worshiped. And the goal in the unseen and the seen, no one will miss out on him. No one will miss him or lose him or can't find him. None of his creation with their innate nature and their natural disposition. So as long as you have nature and you have a disposition, you will not miss out on seeing God. The entire universe is praying to him, and to him they prostrate, and with his praise they celebrate him. The tongues speak articulately about him, and the hearts are wondering about passionately, and the ones of the kernels who have this great uh, wisdom are confused and perplexed. And another poem. Who is Layla? Who is Luna? And who is Hind? And who is Potaina? And who is Kais? And who is Bishop? Are they not all simply his entity? I woke up this morning, rent of heart, by him. You see, his existent self is mine. So all of creation is my beloved. Where is my astound perplexity? Where is he? Whoever digs deep into my statement will find in his midst, his midst. Yeah, yeah. whoever will dig deep into this will find in, in your midst, his midst. <laughs> Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never from all I see. The fragrances never separate from the rose. The flood tide is never separate from the sea. Divine is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. 
the honeys never separate from the comb. The servant is never separate from the Lord. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The true heart is never separate from the true faith. The dervishes never separate from the true shape. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. Thank you. So now Ibn Abi will tell us about the imaginal realm, the place where we put images. And so imagination in for Ibn Arabi is image making. So imaging and image making. And we have an image of ourselves, of others, we have images. So then in what presence will you find this full completeness except in the presence of the imagination? And all who are passionately in love with something, they're passionately in love with it only after they had made it reach their imagination and they have placed it in their minds as a projected image. And they have placed their beloved face to face with their projected image of him. So the, you create an image, it's lodged in the imaginal realm. And so when you love, you are putting, you have an image in front of you. If the matter were not this way, this would be the situation. When the one to whom you have connected your sight goes apart from you, or the one you have connected your hearing to departs, or the one you have connected any of your senses to departs, the connection you have to him would separate and quit you. So if you looked at someone and they left, you would, uh, they would be separate and they would quit you. They would be gone. Now, we do not find the matter to be so. This proves that the beloved is before and with the lover, flush against a projected image the beloved has imaged him in, an image the lover has initiated in its image-making facility. So 
this is tying this into what we've called divine love or spirit love. And that's then contrasted with natural love or nature love. So in nature love, if someone departs from me, then they have departed from me because my nature no longer has the benefit of their presence. If it's divine love or spirit love, when they depart from me, they have never separated from me. Therefore, the lover clings fast to the vision of the beloved and his abundant sufficiency becomes manifold and his love grows ever more and more. So here's this, when you, with this divine love, halaj and zuleika and divine love, when the person, the beloved separates, you would think with natural love that therefore the person is gone or, and your love, because that person is no longer interacting with you, your love should go down and down. And what happens with divine love or spirit love, your love actually goes up, up, up. And you cling fast to this vision of the beloved. So the beloved is even more in front of your face, in front of your eyes than the lover was uh, when the beloved was uh, next to you. So even closer than next to you, the beloved is in front of your eyes. And you have abundant sufficiency becoming manifold. The vision of the beloved is abundantly sufficient. It's so great. It's everything. And so that's why in love poetry and in love songs, you know, you are everything. So it moves this direction. And his love grows ever more and more. So the separation doesn't make the, well, we actually have that in English. Separation makes the heart grow fonder. Separation, the heart doesn't, the love doesn't go down. It goes up. It goes more and more. That projected image, which the imaging lover imaged, begins to rouse his fervor to seek out the one he imaged flushed against his image. So this is the case when you fall in love first, then you find or meet the, be the beloved. And so, and then that image seeks you to find this beloved. So who is this beloved that I have fallen in love with? And there is no more intense love the lover experiences than that love which is his design and his doing. So the love that has been created, has been imaged, is you have imaged it and it's your doing because of course it's based on you. You see, in fact, the image which he loves so passionately in his imagination facility is based on his design. So he is loving simply what he refers back to. So the, the reference then is back to the image that he creates. So he adheres to himself and he speaks beautifully of his own doing. So hold this in your ears because this small h, I'll give you a hint, is going to jump into a, a big h pretty soon. So keep this in your mind. So he is loving simply what he refers back to. He adheres to himself and he speaks beautifully of his own doing. So be ready for this to switch from small h to capital H. But this projected image, which the imaging lover imaged, begins to rouse his fervor to seek out the one he imaged flush against his image. So we have these two poems, which I've been in, enjoying and, and going towards uh, for many years now. I was connected to the one I loved for 20 years, and I wasn't aware of whom I was loving, and I knew no patience. So this is the case where the falling in love comes first. 
And my eye had not gazed toward the goodness of her face, and my ears had not heard any vicar mentioning her at all, until the lightning flashed into my view from a side pro protected. He blessed me one day, and he tormented me forever after. And then this 20 years, this is Ibn Arabi talking about when the beloved is beloved before being or coming to one's eyes or one's ears or having a mention of the beloved. While I was for 20 years a dragoman for love, so dragoman here, tarjuman, uh, the one who conveys, interprets, but more conveys, a conveyor of love, so that for 20 years he had fallen in love before the beloved came into view. And as he's in this passionate love, he is a speaker of and a conveyor of and a student of love. He was embracing my secret heart. I didn't know whom I loved and I didn't know his name. And I didn't know who this was who compressed my chest until there shone to me her face through her niqab, like a night cloud drifting from the full moon. So how does all of this work? The mystics try to separate him from the universe to understand him better. So the mystics, the Araf, the Arafin, they try to separate him from the universe to say, this is God and this is the universe. This is a Haq, the true, and this is Khalq, the creation. But they cannot, they cannot separate them. And they try to see him as the universe himself. Well, if I can't separate Haq from Khalq, true from creation, well, let me just see Haq as Khalq itself. But this cannot be verified for themselves. So they can't sit there and say, that's the only, that's that reality, that's all there is. They are incapable. Their faculties of understanding become wearied and their intellects become confused. And they become self-contradicting when trying to express this with their tongues. So that's why they have to become poets and singers, because when they try to express this in prose, say, tell me who's God and who's creation. They said, well, God is this and that, and then creation is this and that. And then they get all confused and then they self-contradict. And so they're saying, you know, God is what's not the creation. And then they'll say, no, creation is what's not God. And then they'll say, no, creation is God. But and then they get all confused. So they say in one moment, who it is. And another minute, not who. And in another moment, who, not who. They can place no foot steadily anywhere, and there is no path clarified for them which is nigh. You see, they are witnessing who as exactly the sign and exactly the path. Therefore, this vision transmutes between them and the search for the end of the path. Yes, they journey along the path only to its end, and yet the goal is with them. Who is the dear travel companion? So there is no journeyer and no journey. They pass by signposts, and these are not other than who. The expressions disperse, and they are all only who. Uh, that iyahu. So iya, iyakum, iyak. This, this is the uh, phrase, of course, from Fatiha, which is in the title of this chapter. And so if the matter were not this way, as we cited it, no prophet and no messenger would prefer and love any spouse or any child, and none would lovingly prefer someone more than another. So here's the situation. So all the signposts, they are not other than who. And they are all pointing to an end, and that end is already here. 
And yet we have this preferences and choices. So Ibn Arabi will, has a whole beautiful page after page description of all the preferences, all the choice things in the world. So he says, of all of this, uh, there is the Quran. And then in the Quran, of all of the surahs, there is Yasin, preferred and above all. And of all the verses, there is one that is preferred and of choice, and that is the Ayatul Kursi. And he goes through this the entire long list. So it's not saying that the Yasin and the Quran are somehow different. They're both true revelation. One, but in the Quran of all the surahs, there is Yasin. And so uh, he looks at all of the all of these everything around us, even though it's all Quran, it's all Haq, it's all true, then, but there are some that are preferred above others. If it were not this way, no prophet and no messenger would prefer and love any spouse or any child or prefer someone more than another. This is because of the mutually differentiated signs and the world's heart turning continuously is exactly the sign. And they are nothing but the radiant brilliances of the true, which who is inside. And because they are all tajaliyat of these radiant brilliances of the true, they are also in different, they are differentiated one from another. One is not the same as the other. So it's differentiable. And he has raised some of them above others in steps. By means of this image, he manifests his names. So these, some are raised in steps and then the names are, are manifest. So we learn the mutual differentiation of some of them over others, both universally and specifically. So in the divine names, there are ones that are different and because they're different, some of them are above others. Therefore, no messenger and no arif discharges except in him, but most of the people do not know. This is because among the people, so you know the common people, there are those who have dullness in their ears and there are veils over their eyes and there's a lock over their hearts and in their thinking there is confusion and in their knowledge there's ambiguity and their hearing is deafened. And by God, all of this is in the case of the Arafim simply because of extreme proximity. So the mystics are in the same boat as the common people. It's they're, they're feeling dull, there are locks over their hearts, there's confusion, there's ambiguity, they can't hear. And that's for the Arafim, for the mystics, it's because they're too close. So when you're too close, you can't see. And of course, when you get older, you have to put things a little farther away. So if things are too close, they can't be seen. And we are closer to him than you are, but you do not see. So even closer than you, and that's why you can't see me. And we have created the human being, and we know what he whispers inside him. And we are closer to him than the juggler vein. Now, where is whispering compared to inspired revelation? And where is the name the human being compared to the name the world? The mystic guide opens the way, brilliant space surrounds the soul the rose of light its petals divine names blossoms in the grateful heart the mystic guide 
pours the true wine, his tears of love flood the world. His blessed face, a golden Quran, shining as the rising sun. In your painful mystery of love, lovers find the cure for pain. Wandering through the desert of longing, crying aloud, Allah, Allah, drunk with delight, censored by men, eyes aflame with desperate love your friends cry out like moses on the mountain lord reveal yourself to me my eyes are weeping with love's agony as i dance on the mystic way possessing nothing not even myself crying out poverty is my prime my direction of prayer is your face my victory banner reads all is he paradise is not my concern hell is not my anxiety you are what they praise at the holy kaaba you are what they seek at temples and shrines i am free from every religion crying aloud allah allah strive to become the true human being one who knows love one who knows pain be full be humble be utterly silent be the bowl of wine pass from hand to hand Thank you, Nora. So now we're going to switch from the small H to the capital H. Now, whoever knows this knows the love which God has for his creatures and that he is more intensely in love with them than they are with him. So remember how love takes place. The image is put in front. And that image is there, the beloved is there, even before the beloved has come into existence. So even before you have found or heard or seen the beloved, you have fallen in love. And then the beloved is in the, in the image that you make. And then that image that you make is of your design, of your making, and it is yourself. So whoever knows this knows the love which God has for his creatures and that he is more intensely in love with them than they are with him. Actually, they do not love him as an entity for who he is. No, they love his goodness to them. Indeed, goodness is what they witness. So this is how the Prophet said, love God for what he does to nourish you. And so that's a nature-based love. And whoever does love him as an entity, they are rather loving a projected image they have imaged in themselves and in their imagination. And that is nothing but a particular similarity. So it's a reference point to you.
Thus, everyone who loves, if not for the similarity, they would not love the beloved. So if the beloved were not similar to you, you could not love. And so, okay, fill in the dots there. So thus, everyone who loves, if not for the similarity, they would not love the beloved. And if not for the image making, they would not be connected to him. This is why the revelation places who in one's qibla. And he enlarges to make spacious enough for him the heart of his slave. And he deems himself to be in proximity to you, just as you are closer to him than you are, or than some of the bodily parts. We are closer to you than the jugular vein. With this similitude, they worship him as projected similitude, and they witness him ultimately. Okay. So this one, will, uh, I've, I've asked uh, Klaus to do the poems and then for Omar to uh, read the poem, uh, the second poem in the Arabic. And then there's a verse uh, from Quran that Omar inshallah will also read. We say about this true. And we say about this creation. And we say about it copious dreams of milk. And we say about this a vessel of milk. And about this. So who is the possession and the possessor? And who is the coursing orbits and the coursing ships? So when I love him, he says to the lover, come hither, you. She tried to turn him, she in whose house he was, to make him yield himself to her. And she locked the doors and she said, come hither. فَهُوَ الْمُلْكُ وَالْمَلِكُ وَهُوَ الْفُلْكُ وَالْفَلَكُ فَإِذَا مَا هَوَيْتُهُ قال للحب هيت لك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وراودته التي هو في بيتها عن نفسه وغلقت الأبواب وقالت هيت لك Okay, thank you. That's the come hither you. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So here the meaning of his statement is apparent until he hears the word of God. So this is the one that when there's someone seeking asylum, the Prophet is told, take him on uh, in a, give him asylum so that he'll hear the word of Allah. So here the meaning of his statement is apparent until he hears the word of God. When the true desires to have joined the word to the ear of the listener by means of sounds and letters, or signals and gestures, then certainly there will be some intermediary. You see, it is impossible for him to betake himself to performing new things. So understand, it is on God to show the way. This is, you know, this is Ibn Arabi, drops a bomb like this and then just goes on to the next paragraph. <laughs> but let's just hold this a little bit longer. So let him 
give him asylum so that this person will hear the word of God. When you, Muhammad are reciting, this person will hear you reciting and he'll hear the word of God. When the true desires to have joined the word to the ear of this listener by means of sounds and letters or signals and gestures. So therefore spoken and recited, but also signals and gestures, things that you do in your life, in the way that you live, the way your body moves, then certainly there will be some intermediary. And this, in this case, it's the blessed intermediary of Muhammad You see, it is impossible for him to betake himself to performing new things. So understand. So it's impossible for the true to take on and do new things. The true does old things, things that are timeless, things that are beyond and outside of time. It's impossible for the true to enter into time and do things. So inevitably there will be an intermediary. You see, it is impossible for him to betake himself to performing new things. So understand, it is on God to show the way. It's for the true to show the way. It's on Allah to show the way. Okay, alhamdulillah. Okay. Okay, first question, Shuei. Um, can you please tell us more about the 155 questions of Termiti that Ibn Arabi studied that you mentioned in the beginning? Yeah, I think that's uh, coming out maybe not too far in the future. Inshallah, it'll be volume six or seven. I can't remember which, maybe volume six. These are the 155 uh, questions that are designed to see who knows how things are and who doesn't. <laughs> so uh, Ibn Arabi takes these questions, answers them in the most beautiful way. And, uh, and one of those questions is about Haza. And this, what does this mean to Haza, to make a mark and take possession of? And it's uh, really this beautiful imagery that, uh, so we make a mark and take possession of. So that's when we project and, and create this image of the beloved, we have marked by making an image and taken possession of and said, now it's close to me. And now my love grows larger and larger and bigger and bigger. And this is what then Ibn Arabi says, Allah does. Allah makes a mark on us and then possesses us. Say, you are now, you are now my slave. And so now you are, and we enter into this uh, slavehood uh, by love. We say, I fully choose with all of my will, and it's in completely up to me, and I want to be this slave of yours. And so that's that, that's Haza. Okay. Um, could you please go over uh, what you said earlier, why this is the best of all possible world? Yeah, that's, I, I've always enjoyed it because I kind of grew up with Candide and in Candide, the whole thing that it's supposed to be a joke that this is the best of all possible world. But even as a kid, when I was reading Candide, you know, at the end, he uh, says, you know, to cultivate your garden. And uh, he says, and then, but then, and in the end, he's saying something that we're supposed to take as, oh, how, what a ridiculous notion this is uh, from Leibniz with the idea that this is the best of all possible world. We're supposed to take the notion that uh, look at all the horrible things 
things that happened to Candide, and uh, yet he's still optimistic. You know, what a fool. But for me, it wasn't. Because Candide says to his beloved, he says, you know, if you weren't grabbed by these people and taken away and horribly abused and violated and all of these horrible things happened to you, I would never be with you. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, that's a good, that's a good answer. It's true. <laughs> all of these things happened, but now she's with him. And so... Uh, and so this best of all possible worlds is from Leibniz, who, who we uh, somehow the West kind of went to Newton instead of him. And so we have two different calculuses. We have calculus as Newtonian calculus, and then we have the Leibniz uh, calculus. And it's kind of a bit unfortunate because Leibniz was a very spiritual person. And so his mathematics and his grammar are very much like Ibn Arabi. The closest I would say you could find to someone like Ibn Arabi doing this with grammar, mathematics uh, is, is Leibniz. And, uh, but we ended up going with Newton uh, who then moved into Descartes and all the rest of that where the, this, this very arrogant male individual way of looking at things because Leibniz's idea was that we're monads and that if I want to describe you, I have to say, I can't just say you are this, I have to describe who you're next to and who you like and what, you're, what, you're, what you like doing. And then once I've done that, then I have to describe this next person who's related to you. And then I have to describe the other person who's related to you. And so I won't be able to describe the universe until I've described every single monad in the universe and how they're all related to each other. So what a beautiful Akbarian uh, viewpoint that is. And then we get Newton, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed that you always refer to God or Allah in the masculine, ma masculine pronouns. Is that from the Arabic or is, is that just because in English you have to give it a gender and so you choose the masculine? Yeah, that's actually, uh, I've only done that, I guess, kind of recently. But uh, what happens with Ibn Arabi is he describes Allah and he describes Zat and he describes uh, the Ayn. Uh, he describes all of these uh, these who God is. Um, and then depending on what adjective he's using, that determines the, the noun, the, the gender of the noun. So when he's talking about zat, zat is feminine. So he then use we have to, when I translate, I do capital S, she, because so he says, Allah is zat and zat is not accessible and she, so capital S and she uh, is inaccessible. And so, uh, so the, it, all of these, uh, the gender is very fluid in it, and it goes throughout Ibn Arabi's work. And he wants us to, to look at all of these, uh, these as gender as well. So in the translation, uh, you'll find capital S for she and capital H for her. And then uh, the who, which is also very fascinating because this is the who contains all of this because the who is, uh, it's the third person masculine singular, but the who is, in Arabic is the huwiyat. The huwiyat is a feminine word. So when you say the who, you're saying the who, she does this and she is that. So here's the, the great, the beautiful creative tension. When you say the he with a capital H, she does that. So when you say who, she does this. You say he, capital H, she, capital S, does that. So that's always to keep us on our toes so that we don't fix anything. Uh, if we fix something, then we're stuck and we're not, we're not seeing the, the true as the true truly is.
you may have just answered this, but what does who mean and why is Allah referred to by who? Is who masculine and the same as the Arabic masculine pronoun? Um, I can't read the Arabic yeah, here. So, yeah, who? So, uh, and so the who, uh, as, a, as, as the sound, comes, the, the H comes from the chest, the first place in our innermost being, and the W, the U, comes from the lips, the last place where we, where we modulate the breath. So the breath is the breath of Arahman. The breath of Arahman starts here in the innermost chest and then goes through the mouth, gets modulated, and the last modulator is the W and the U. And so who is the entire story of the modulation of the breath of Rahman? So all the letters are contained in, uh, in, in are the letter, they, these are all the letters, and so they, they loop around. And so the breath of Rahman modulates through every letter and the who is the sign for us the beginning of the circle and the moment you have a beginning of a circle you have the end of the circle so who is the beginning and end of a circle and so ibn Arabi also then paints us the picture of who allah la ilaha illahu so who is god who is no god but who is god who is no god but who is god who is no god but god and so this loop is the loop of creation so when those who see this they see every sound as being modulated in this way um the arabic doesn't have a neuter uh, or neutral gender um and so sometimes uh, but there's their time it's, i think in chapter one there's a place where it, we have to in english say it so sometimes we say it also with capital i um but these these uh, pronouns are so very important so ibn Arabi, you know as a as you know a, one who loves the vicar speaks very beautifully of the who but then he at one point he says kind of quietly he says my favorite is anta and ana you know, you and I. And so, and there are those who can say I, and when they say I, you see that Allah is saying I. Okay, another comment on this. From what I know, who means he? Although grammatically masculine, since it refers to Allah is or neither gender. Again, who at another level is the sire breath that initiated creation? Yeah, yeah. So the huwiat, the word for who is is a feminine one, and the pronoun itself is masculine. So the masculine and the feminine contained. That's how Ibn Arabi says that Eve, uh, coming from Adam, is male at root and female by happenstance. And so she contains, she is complete, she contains both. So the who contains both because it's masculine by pronomial grammar and it's feminine by nominal or noun-based gender. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, wow, such a message. I was caught with laughter and joy. Let's be what we've always been. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Wonderful. Um, and another answer to the earlier question, the word Allah in Arabic refer uh, reflects no gender it's a proper name um uh and then uh let's see okay um in arabic who can reflect no gender or above gender but if we use heya then it would mean feminine that's why we use who 
<laughs> well, when we talk about Zat, we say Hia. We, we talk about Hia, she, when we talk about Zat. And so uh, Ibn Arabi uses that very carefully uh, when he says, uh, when he talks about Zat, he then switches to Hia. And so when in English, we'll translate that as capital S, she. Okay, Salam, can you please explain about the old and the new human? Okay, so the old and the new. So the old is what is outside of time and the new is what is inside of time. And so the, the old outside of time and the new inside of time. And so when we look at things, we can see there's a newness because they were not there before and they may not be there next. Uh, and we could, but we can also see that they had an oldness because they were in the knowledge of Allah. And so we have this very, that's where all the confusion comes from. Is something new, old, or is it old and new? And so uh, this is where the, the entire creative tension and confusion comes about. I think we'll get into it in the next question too. Yeah, can you also explain about the step of the, I guess this means foot, compared to the step of the sight? Yeah, so Ibn Arabi is saying that when we our sight perceives the moon or a distant star, our sight goes immediately to that star. And, you know, and so even if it took a few light years, you know, who cares? It's very fast, whatever it is. And the step of the foot is in comparison quite small and quite slow. So he's, he's looking at the, that all these steps, they are each a step, but one of them is flying out into the star and the other was flying out to, you know, a, a yard in front of us. And so this is, this is the comparison. And then he says that about the divine names and that we didn't go into that, but this chapter, he then talks about divine names. So you have the independent and you have the creator. And he says, where is in the creator? He talks about first and then the independent. So the creator where is the independent compared to the creator? Because the independent is off there all by itself, doesn't need anything. And the creator is completely immersed in creation and everything that's created is referring back to the creator. So he says, where are these two names in comparison? And he's very gently and, and trying not to be too scandalous, trying to show us the difference between divine names. Here's a divine name that is in, involved in everything because everything that's created is referring back to its creator. And here's a divine name which is independent of all things and therefore is aloof and apart and here. And so he says, look at the difference <laughs> without having to be rude to either divine name. Look at the difference. <laughs> um, does it mean that Hawk cannot enter into the world? So that's where we get the, uh, the old and the new. And so Ibn Arabi says, it, uh, there's one line, we didn't have it in this, okay, maybe it's the next chapter, that haq and khalq. And, he said, and so he says, humanity is true and creation. So the only place where true and creation meet in one place is what's called humanity. And so humanity, the light of Muhammad Sallallahu Muhammad Adam, humanity, this one whole cloth is the one place where the old and the new coexist. And so, and the 
and so what we get into problems with and why the, the Arafin, the mystics, why they are self-contradictory whenever they try to express themselves, they're self-contradicting because they're saying, oh, look, here is God. And someone says, well, if that's God, you just said God's in creation and therefore he can't be the old God. And then they say, oh, that's true. I can't, we can't say that. And they say, well, the old God is over there and here's the new God. Well, you can't have God being new. And so they get all confused and we, the rest of us get all confused. But that's, the, that's what can enter in and what cannot. And the only place which can span the old and the new is humanity. And so that's the mirror of Huck. So in a sense, we could say Huck looks at the mist, sighs, I want to be recognized, and puts a mirror, so the mirror of Huck in that mist. So it's my mirror, and therefore it's old, but it's also new because it's just now come into existence. And this is the mirror which I will look at to recognize myself. Does Ibn Arabi recommend anything specific for us to do to gain the pleasure of Allah? Yeah, they, uh, yeah. In a few places, uh, he'll have he'll have uh, you know that if that look for your teacher, and if you're while you're looking for your teacher, uh, there are four things that you can do. You can uh, stay up late at night. You can uh, keep quiet, silence. Uh, you can eat little, fast, a lot, and there'll always be a fourth thing I always forget. But these are all the tariqa, all the, the path. These are what you do on the path. Um, and so there are all of these uh, uh, recommendations of what to do. And when he mentions, he has a manual that he wrote. He said, this is a manual I wrote for all of those aspirants, all those people aspiring, uh, you know, follow this. And even the teacher could learn something from it, he says. And so it's, uh, and so, uh, but when we're diving into here, we're, we're kind of diving in straight and we're saying that, parallel to this, we all have our practice and all have our the things that we do to make us receptive to Allah and to make us well-pleasing to Allah. Omar, would you like to say something? Yeah, yes, uh, back, back to the question about the best of the possible worlds. Um, not from the point of view, why is it the best of the possible worlds? That's clear. One needs to see across eternity and space to understand. So that's, that's very clear. It's beyond us to see the, the totality of it. But I think in this slide, specifically today in the slide, Ibn Arabi mentioned why it's inevitably the best of the possible worlds. He mentioned something about beauty and its relationship to God. So can we look at that again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. Um, let me get this back up. Uh, okay, uh, I have to close this window, open it back up again, just to say, here we go. Okay, now we got it. Yeah, yeah these, are, these are beautifully delicate uh, places. Uh, and of course, it's easy for people like me to go zip over and then, oops, I didn't see what was really going on. Uh, is this the one? Uh, no, earlier. It's, it's, it's one of the very earliest, I think. Uh, okay, yeah. So the, yeah, yes, yes, right. yeah. So, right. So, so this is what you were talking about. You were telling me uh, on, a, on Monday, I think, that the focus, when Allah looks at something, he makes a mark and takes possession of it. And suddenly it's real. It's beautiful, 
and it is what is and it is just beautiful by because it, it is marked and possessed by the divine and so and so uh, going on to what you what you were saying uh, on monday the um this all of those worlds which are not the most beautiful not the most wondrous those are worlds which have not been marked and possessed okay okay so he says that here okay okay thank you and then creation uh, character creation so that be made this way then we are perfect so it's only you know we say oh i need this i need that i'm lacking this i'm lacking that and he says that you know don't ever say that even though the greatest among us do make that mistake you are perfect you are complete and you have been given your character creation and you have been guided right right no i mean yeah, it, 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 it needs it needs thinking about it. I mean, what, what I was saying is, is, you know, the divine attention goes on yeah. something and it comes to be. Yeah. And that's the possibilities which manifest as opposing the manifest possibilities which don't manifest. And right. if we consider God's eternal knowledge, the remember knowledge includes pre-knowledge, post-knowledge. I'm not going to say pre-knowledge, it's eternal knowledge. Yeah. Then, then he knows the perfect possibilities and 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 so by virtue of beauty right. we'll look at the most beautiful possibilities so perhaps that's that's where that's where the necessity of the best of the possible world comes to be right, right. Because, because the beautiful will not look at that which is not of the utmost beautiful right. and um, and you know, like for every category of possibilities, the best one comes to be. So we are one of the best of the possible worlds, you know, the best of the possible worlds in each category or in each yeah. recreation or, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then by virtue of this making the mark, attending to, it, it is beautiful then. Yeah, so it, it works in a, there's, there's the abstract sense that, that which one is going to be chosen to be attended to, but the one that's attended by virtue of the attending, it becomes beautiful. It is beautiful. Right, right. And that and that change and, and that's something that the that we understand through love. It's very hard to understand that through the mind. I would say, uh, how can we look around and mentally or rationally or intellectually say this is the best of all possible world? But when you're in love, it's the best of all possible worlds. <laughs> there we go. Um, so a comment that sounds like an article I read about the universe being conscious. Mm -hmm. How we talk about it today. Um, an image is indispensable when we present Allah in our mind's eye. Where does that differ from idolatry in Ibn Arabi's metaphysics? Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, yeah, the the universe as as conscious and what and so what I'm translating, I have no word. There's no way I can use the word inanimate, uh, you know, so when he talks about animate beings and then he talks about minerals, but he now doesn't talk about them as inanimate because everything is alive, everything is conscious, knows, has intelligence, and is articulating the praise of uh, its uh, creator. Um, so this uh, presenting in the mind's eye, this was, this is how Ibn Arabi looked at it with, he says that the followers, uh, okay, that Isa alayhi salam, Jesus was created by this image making. So when Gabriel takes on the image, so Tamathul takes on the image before Mary, uh, 
um, Mary sees this beautiful image, her fluid drops to her womb, and that's the conception of Jesus. And so he says that the followers of Jesus, they put in their places of worship, they put images because those images induce inside them this sense of worship. Just the way Gabriel took on image and made all these things happen to Mary. And so he says, so they put these images outside and that makes them worship from the inside because Gabriel took on image. And then he says, the next community of Muhammad they're told by Gabriel, Gabriel comes down this time and says, worship God as if you see him. So Ibn Arabi says this next community that Gabriel comes to the first community through Mary, comes to this next one to Muhammad and says, worship God as if you see him. So Ibn Arabi says, so we make our image inside of ourselves with no images outside, images inside of ourselves, and we worship that image from inside ourselves. And so Ibn Arabi says, so look at these uh, idols and idolatry. You know, how different are we idolaters from the earlier idolaters who put their images outside? We just put our images inside. <laughs> uh, Asalaamu Alaikum. See you can join again. <laughs> um, Okay. 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 Uh, oh, uh, Dr. Norasia. Oh, wonderful. Shukar. Uh, that's uh, uh, the Indonesian spelling that we. So she's up from Medan and a great uh, lover of Ibn Arabi, and she's written many books on Ibn Arabi and the law. So Alhamdulillah that she's back with us. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, our Rab is our individual divine names. How does our Rab compare with the Rabal Alamin? Yeah, yeah, this was, uh, I mean, just uh, talking about this actually with my, my son, this came up, the idea of Rab and Khuda. And so in, in, in Urdu, you say Khuda, you say God, and then Rab. And so Rab is very much this, is very personal. It's your cherisher. It's the one who raises you, who, who looks out for you, nourishes you, cherishes you, makes sure that everything is going well with you. That's Rab. It's also the first name that we see. So when we are given existence and then we are told, am, am I not your rub? It's a very easy uh, question because the answer lies in the question. It's not like an essay answer. We just have to kind of repeat what we've just heard. Yes, you are our rub because yes, you are the one who brought us out of non-existence into existence. So you are the one who loves us and is cherishing us. And so, uh, but with Ibn Arabi, of course, all of these individual people who have their rub, they're also in this whole fabric, this whole cloth. And so just have that imagery where we have threads and, a, and each thread that's, that comes up, or we have a cloth on the floor and it's all rippled, uh, each of those ripples creates shadows and creates individual entities. But when, the, when that rippled and crumpled fabric is pulled tight and flattened, we realize that all along, it's only been one fabric. And so all along, we realize that all of these ripples, who you are and I am, and all the people have come before us, and all the people are coming after us, they're all ripples on this single cloth. The day will come when the cloth is pulled, and then we will see that there is one cloth. There is one humanity, and that one humanity is Muhammad Sallallahu and that we'll know this on the day of judgment when he'll say, I am the master of this entire cloth. All of you ripples and, and crumpled entities 
are all me and I am the master of this on the day of judgment. The old is outside of time, the new is in time. Can you please explain what is time for Ibn Arabi? So he, as he says very clearly, time is an illusion. <laughs> there is no time. Uh, time is a circle. And the Prophet said that the time has come around to the place where it began with him. So time is a circle. The moment you notch a, a point on the circle, you've created a beginning and an end. Uh, so the beginning and the end, there is no beginning and end in a circle until you notch it. And that Muhammad is the notching of that circle, which means he's the beginning and he's the end. So we know that who is the first and who is the last and who is the outward and who is the inward. So that's where we got that strip that we have the, we have the non-orientable Mobius strip. You put a notch on there, you've got the beginning and the end. You go around and you think you're on the outside and suddenly you realize, oh, I'm on the inside. And then you go on the inside and you say, oh, now I'm on the outside. And so humanity is made to be a non-orientable loop so that humanity can be the first, the last, the outward and the inward. And there will be all knowing because the next part of that verse is all knowing. Beautiful. Um, Saida Zakia has a question for you. Yes, please. Saida Zakia. There she is. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Everything is so wonderful. Well, I had a very simple question until Brother Umar came out with his uh, Aquarian labyrinth thing. Uh, we went to the labyrinth over there. So, my question was when you said that. Uh, it meets a uh, haq and khalaq, meets in a, meets in a, what did you say? I forgot. Uh, in the humanity, in humanity, right? That's what you said. Uh, so I, uh, for me, it just occurred to me, uh, of course, a perfect humanity in Sanic Kamal, maybe that's where we see the heart of the Sanic Kamal. You know, that Hadith Qudsi is saying, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm losing words, but, when Brother Umar came out and I went into that labyrinth and then you came out and you said about Jibreel coming as a male uh, and, uh, and, you, and I was playing around and I'm questioning you but I'm trying to phrase my question. I was playing around with the word of possessing. So when uh, Jibreel came as an image is that when it was possessed, is that what possessing means? That that's when creation begins, when we project it? I don't know, are you even getting what I'm trying to ask? I don't know, <laughs> help me out, please. Okay, well, let's look at some of those. So, the, uh, so when we talked about that non-orientable loop, uh, that's humanity. And so that's Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's the, the body of Adam Eve. Um, and that's the story of creation. And it's so, this is the, the, that which has no beginning, middle or end, which is outside of time, enters into time the moment there's a mark placed on it. And when there's a mark placed on it, it's that mark makes the beginning and the end. And this mark that's placed on it is marking it and possessing, obtaining, holding, you know, having. And so, so this is our wonderful and blessed situation is that we are possessed 
and owned by God. So Allah owns us. We're his slaves. And so to be his slave, Ibn Arabi says, after all you have to do is hear that Allah says, Ibadi, my slaves, and you know that everything is going to work out. Because if we were to disappear, then Allah would no longer be the master. There would be no, if you have no one that you are the master of, then you are no longer a master. And therefore we can be sure that just hearing that my slaves, my creatures, tells us that we are in good hands because we are possessed and held by and 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 those and the possessions are the possessions of the one who possesses and then because of this this possession idea it's a it's a loop the loop of first and last and outward and inward it's a loop that is that is timeless and in time at the same time. And only humanity has the old and the new in one place. And so, so then Ibn Arabi says, now we, now we can ask, so who possesses whom? And who's the master? Who's the slave? Who's the lover? Who's the beloved? And we watch how this transpires uh, through every moment of existence. So I'm, I have to continue with this. I'm getting it when you say the Mobius, uh, whatever that word is, yes. uh, orientation thing, strip, Mobius strip, sorry. Mm -hmm. the, I can kind of get it. So it, from in that context, the, the possession is already there, but our awareness of it makes the mark. Or, okay, okay, thank you. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so what's happening, yeah, the, the journey, so and when he talked, there's no journeyer and no journey. Uh, what he's saying is that is that our companion on the journey, because whenever we take a journey, whenever we travel somewhere, we say, Allah, be the my companion on the journey and be my Khalifa for my family when I'm away. And so our companion on the journey is both is both our companion on the journey right now next to us and also the one we're going to the place we're ending up is going to be Allah. So Allah is where we're ending up and where we're going to and Allah is the blessed dear companion on our travel to go to Allah <laughs> and so we have that Ilahi which says from Allah's heart to Allah's heart to kind of to show that that we're traveling with the goal we're traveling with him already <laughs> thank you thank you is it possible to put the title of the section you're discussing in Arabic, even a capture of the title from the original, with many thanks for all the efforts? Yeah, we can be putting putting more Arabic in. Yeah, in the translation, there's just a lot of lot of Arabic, and so I try on Fridays to be uh, to be a little easier on people who are not who are not familiar with Arabic too much. Uh, in the translations, uh, I end up having, I think I'm, I, ha I have as minimal amount use of Arabic words as possible, and then the editor says, "You just have 800 Arabic words. Are you going to tell me that's the minimum?" <laughs> so, and it really was. I tried to make it the minimum. But there we go. I'll try. <laughs> um, what's the fourth thing one can do? Okay. Oh boy, these are the the standard four. Let's let's try again. Be up at night, praying at night, uh, keeping silence, fasting often, and. Dude. 
<laughs> okay, I'll look for it and I'll I'll put it in our reminder next week, inshallah. I'll put the fourth one down. It's in his what the student does uh when when waiting for the teacher. <laughs> what about giving to charity? Could that be it? I'm not well, that's yeah, any of the sunan, all of the sunnas are the way are the way we do that. And and so if we don't know where we are and who's my imam, you know, because we're having these wild poems that says Allah says that I'm that you're my imam and you should be doing this. And so uh, and before we can uh, kind of dive into that, we have all of our lives, uh, which are very clearly, uh, we have so much information and, and knowledge about how to live this life from the one that we emulate. And Ibn Arabi says, so don't put your foot anywhere that your prophet hasn't put his foot. Okay. Um, so does it follow that nothing exists in the quote, natural world, except what's beautiful, the same line of who and lahu. Yeah, so so there's who as one possibility, and then lahu as another, and then who lahu as a third. And so this is the way that Ibarbi keeps us moving through all of this. Um, so from our from our nature, we can say I like this and I don't like this. But when we're talking from our divine spirit, then there's nothing that we don't love. And so so that's how that's how we have the lovers and the mystics uh they're so confusing because on the one hand they're saying look how beautiful everything is and the rest of us are saying but look that person just oppressed this other person um and so that's that's the the creative tension because uh if we're able to say when you're in love all things are 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 love and so when if you love the beloved and the beloved is the one who has this situation where someone is poor, someone is hungry, someone is naked, someone is in jail needing to be visited. When you have this situation that, and you do that thing, when you feed the person, clothe the person, visit the person, when you do that, you're doing it for your beloved. And so it's an act of love. So you're not denying that there aren't things out there that are difficult and people are being, are hurt and need help. You're saying that I, because I love the beloved, I want to be the one who feeds you, helps you, clothes you, visits you. Is the image we make before actually meeting the beloved, the memory of Alastu, am I not? Yeah, that becomes really interesting where, where this, this image comes from. That's bef before the beloved comes into view. And you notice that in when Ibn Arabi is talking this way with his poems, he uses he and she kind of interchangeably because he's saying, you don't know who the beloved is. Um, and so it, there is something about memory. Um, and there is something about this, that this is from this very beginning of cherishing. And so there is a memory of being loved by the cherisher and perhaps that's the one that that founds and and brings out this image that you then fall in love with and then years later uh you say oh this is this is uh, what i've been loving all the time where does ibn Arabi describe these different communities of jesus or muhammad peace be upon them both yeah. Uh, this for, for Liz, I'll try to I'll try to send it to you. Um, I always have trouble finding it. Um, it's I think fairly early, so um, 
It's, it's in okay. the modern. Great, I'll great, look, thank I'll, you. I'll look for it, but it's 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 just so very powerful. And again, he puts this in that makes a world of sense to me. And it's only you know one paragraph, and then he's on to the next yeah. paragraph. Yeah. I say, you know that one paragraph. Now I understand. <laughs> thank you, Liz. Okay, lots of comments here. Just the title: Solitude, praising, see Allah, and everyone, everything. Seclusion, retreat, silence, hunger, and vigilance. Silence, seclusion, hunger, vigilance. That's it. That's it. It's the it's the it's the retreat, silence, hunger, and vigilance. There we go. So that you keep yourself away and you and you learn what you need to learn without being distracted by by people and, and things. Uh, you stay silent and you you get hung and vigilant. And so vigilant is also connected to the staying up at night. So you watch yourself and you say, Am I being lazy? Am I falling asleep too quickly? Do I need to be up at night? And Khatija has a beautiful story about being up at night. There was, a, and so, uh, yeah, so that's it. Vigilance, thank you, being up awake, awake at night. Um, according to an Amazon reviewer who read the Four Pillars Spiritual Transformation, the adornment of the spiritually transformed uh, mystical treatises of Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi. Yeah, yeah. So this, okay. this, is, this is his chapter, and he, he starts it out with, I think it's, let's just say, well, the chapter, I think it's the chapter where he meets uh, Hither uh, four times. And he meets a first time, a last time, an inside time, and an outside time. He learns the outside, the inward, the place to ascend to, you know, the four uh, interpretive devices of Quran. He sees Hither in those four interpretive devices. So it's an amazing chapter. Yeah. Um, here's kind of a summary. Less food, less sleep. <laughs> Less talk and less mingling with people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and those are all. Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing about uh, you know the in 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 people and outside of people. Uh, there are times when we have to be alone. Sometimes we have to, and then times we can be with people. Uh, Ibn Arabi says about you can be among the people and still be completely unknown and unrecognized, and that can also be your retreat. Um, and so he talks. He, he definitely talks about all this. Uh, even the, the Prophet himself, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said there are times when I have to be only alone. My cherisher and so that's uh, there are times when there's no room for anyone but the cherisher and then there are the times when being with the cherisher means being with the one he's with and so uh, we have that especially with the stories of Aisha where you can see that that she is there there with him in worship of his Lord uh, really this topic really like the discourse of Kalam in traditional Islamic science talking about about the of Allah. It's very hard to me. I have to listen to the YouTube unless I misunderstood you. Uh, maybe I just asked the practical one, which one will be more fruitful to get Kushu, sure. the way of Christian or Muslim uh, to reflect God? Yeah. So the what, what happens is that uh, the having having images uh, have, and having creation and seeing Huck there. So Ibn Arabi says that these mystics, uh, they they want to find out who's God and who's us and who's God, who's creation. And so they try to separate them and say, well, God is everything other than creation. Creation is everything other than God. Uh, and then, but that doesn't last for very long because they, they see that doesn't really work. And then they say, okay, God is only just creation and completely creation. And then that doesn't work either. So Ibn Arabi is saying that none of these places that we would sit on theologically, none of those places can, can hold. 
Uh, and so uh, if we have idols, and I say that idol is really God, uh, it can't hold because um, God is the, is the one, it, it is in the heart, and the heart says God is the one I see and the one I don't see. So the heart has faith that, of, of, that there is the God that the heart isn't seeing, and there's the heart, the God that heart is seeing. So faith is the one that gives the two eyes. So Ibn Arabi says we're always with these two eyes and faith. Faith is faith in seeing the unseen. And so these both uh, are always there. So it's the creative tension or the creation is, is this tension between yes and no. And yes and no is how everything then takes place after that. Nice. Could you please explain again the name of the paradigm person you mentioned that stood in opposition to Newtonian math and physics, metaphysics. Uh, so uh, what, Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz. Uh, and so L-I-E-B-N-I-Z. -L so that's, uh, and he's a contemporary of Newton and they were uh, in a sense uh, uh, rivals uh, and Newton, they both had a, a calculus. Uh, his Leibniz began his calculus with uh, integration and Newton began his calculus with differentiation. And so in school nowadays, we always learn differentiation first, right? And then we learn integration. And actually, now that I say it, I can hear myself saying it, I say, well, there's the difference. For Newton, everything is different and separate and Leibniz is saying integrate, everything is integrated. So that's the calculus. And Leibniz was, was famous, I mean, he had a complete grammar. He had a universal grammar of human language. And then he had a complete mathematics. And so this was someone who with Ibn Arabi could see that all of this truth of the monad of this Ein al-Wahanda, the single entity, that this is in every field that we know as human beings. I think we're there. Thank you so Good. much. You another wonderful <laughs> session. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good to see everyone. Yeah. Okay.